to the Sunday Night Health Show podcast. Tonight we're going to talk about Omicron that is raging throughout the world. They say it's the most wonderful time of the year, but is it? Many people suffer from loneliness, depression. Steve Serbik joins me to talk about mental health over the holidays and the impact on Christmas dinner. Also, more than 60 Canadian neurologists have issued a statement warning that chiropractic neck manipulation can cause stroke or death. John M. Green, attorney at law, joins me to discuss a recent case. The Sunday Night Health Show starts now. And looks like we're going to be, we might be going back to virtual visits. Hey, Leo, how are you doing? Hey, hey, hi, good evening. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good, yeah, good, good. Yeah. How, how's everything going? Can you believe uh, every single week we have changes? Um, and uh, the scientists warned us, you know, about the variants. And here we are with Omicron again. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts are, you know, we we better stay quiet here. So you get it. <laughs> I, I'm certainly going to be. Uh, you, you know, we've seen here, like everything's getting, you know, like shut down, canceled the big parties and, and everything, the events. I mean, NHL, no uh, more cross, cross country flights. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I know things are changing once again. Um, you know, it, it feels like March 2020 with a vaccine, you know? Yeah. Feels like we're we're back, we're back there, back to the future. Um, you know, I remember there was a time about two years ago, um, you know, well, I guess a year and a half ago when people were frightened, people were afraid, and people were hoping and begging for a vaccine, and, and then they politicized it. <laughs> and there you go. People are still politicizing it. I actually heard somebody say it's all Biden's fault. Um, anyway which is, you know, absolutely ridiculous. I mean, we have to give credit to Donald Trump who did warp speed, uh, operation warp speed. Um, both of them are, are trying, well, trying to do their best, whatever that means, um, uh, to help with that. Uh, unfortunately we don't have Dr. Kinderchuk on the show this evening. Um, but we do want to give a shout out to his wife. It's, uh, her birthday. So <laughs> happy birthday to Dr. Kinderchuk's wife. Uh, he's got a, certainly got a well-deserved night off tonight. Hopefully they enjoy an evening together. Um, you know, there's just so much, um, about COVID. Anyway, if you have any questions or thoughts about where we're at, uh, what your Christmas is going to look like or not, or if you're disappointed, uh, feel free to give us a call. The number to call is one 399 That's 1-877-399-9898. Are you disappointed? Are you um, surprised at some of the new restrictions that some of the provinces are putting out? Does some of it make sense? Uh, you know, I'll be honest, some of it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, you could go to an event that potentially has 500 people at it now as opposed to 1,000, but you can't have 20 people perhaps at your Christmas dinner. Uh, some of it just doesn't make any sense. Mingling in a restaurant, which is one of British Columbia's, how often do you mingle in a restaurant? I mean, I, when I used to go to restaurants, <laughs> sorry, I, I um, go to outdoor restaurants. I have, I have eaten once or twice in a restaurant indoors in the last 18 months um, because there's a 19 times greater risk uh, by for COVID um, when you're eating in a restaurant. Anyway, before we get to COVID, um, I do want to tell you what's coming up on the program tonight. 
lots to cover. You know, as I mentioned, this time of year, you know, there's this, there's so much, I mean, it's getting harder the longer we go on in this pandemic, but there's just so much joy and mistletoe and uh, happiness and buying presents. I'd like to make a suggestion about buying presents in your family, whatever you spend on your family. If you're fortunate enough to have the means to do so, why don't you spend the equivalent or twice the amount and donate that to the food bank? Because there are certainly a lot of people who are suffering in this pandemic. Maybe people have lost their jobs. Maybe one or two uh, parents have lost their jobs and, you know, don't know where the next meal is coming from. There's, you know, lots of changed, lots has changed in housing as well. Um, and so if you're fortunate enough to have a roof over your head, you know, somebody might be looking. I know somebody who's been living in a hotel um, for 30 days because they cannot find a place to rent. Fortunately, they can pay that, but not for very long. Um, things are on short supply, much shorter supply than in the past. So um, anyway, we'll be talking a little bit about um, how you can be generous of heart in a different way this Christmas. Uh, also going to be talking about loneliness and mental health and, and mental illness, uh, which has been, has soared during this pandemic. I have Steve Serbic. You've heard his voice before on the show. He's going to be talking. Uh, he's a fire uh, chief and he has shared his own story with um, mental illness and uh, other issues that he struggled with. Um, and so he's going to be joining me on the program as well. And also going to be talking with um, a lawyer toward the end of the program, just about um, chiropractic care. What piqued my interest in, in this um, was there was a, a vote a little while ago of a very small number of um, chiropractors who voted against vaccine mandates. Um, but we got to talking, he and I, on LinkedIn. <laughs> anyway, and um, somebody said to me today, have you seen anyone? I said, only on Instagram. <laughs> We don't see anybody <laughs> anymore. I ran into a friend when I went for a walk. And um, so that just, see, our, our lives have changed. They've so gone online like we have never, ever <laughs> thought they would. Um, but, uh, you know, the world has changed. Things are so different. So if you have any questions at all, any um, comments that you would like to make, um, you know, if there's, if you just want to share your feelings, you know, we'd love to hear from you. 1-877-399-9898. Do you think we're ever going to get out of um, this uh, pandemic? What are your, what are your feelings on that? Are you, are you an optimist? Are you hoping for the best? Uh, do you have people stuck? I, I know, um, I know a group of a friend group. Um, I won't say how I know them, but uh, one was exposed and there were 25 of them and 20, one person was positive and 21 out of the 25 have tested positive. Um, I have another friend who has canceled a family vacation to Hawaii. Um, very, very upset children, of course. Um, I also know some people who were leaving Mexico, coming back. Some of you might say they never should have gone in the first place, but um, they're coming back they can't come back. They've tested positive. They now have to um, hold themselves up in the hotel, which initially you think, oh, not bad, get stuck in Mexico, but actually they have to stay in the hotel room. They actually cannot leave and they have to cover that cost themselves. Of course, unless you get travel insurance, COVID travel insurance, which does exist, I know, because I've had to get it myself. I've gone to the States 
a few times um, for work recently and, um, and COVID insurance is available, gives you a little bit of peace of mind. But, but how about that Omicron, huh? I mean, it is just crazy. We're seeing, uh, I mean, New York City, uh, the epicenter at one point of um, COVID and now is, um, was also, um, you know, an area that was struck very hard. There was something called the SantaCon and it was basically, and I, I think New Yorkers let their guard down. Um, they, you know, were going into restaurants and bars, maskless. People felt that they were vaccinated. They, they were fully vaccinated. They had two vaccines, but they didn't get their booster. Booster is very important. Um, and so there was the SantaCon two weekends in a row and it was just like, you know, basically bar hopping from one uh, place to the next. And, and they feel that the Omicron surge, uh, which actually Delta is still the dominant variant, but Omicron surge and, and the Delta, you know, the cases of the Delta increase significantly, but um, that as a result of that event, and you know, that Omicron variant is just raging around the world. Um, and travel does increase your risk of getting COVID. Um, so, you know, it, it's the, you might be over the pandemic, but the pandemic is not over. Um, and you know, the, the lineups for the testing are just around the corner. In fact, I had a patient who was symptomatic. Um, I do a lot of virtual visits and I said, are you going to go and get tested? And they said, uh, you know, no, the lines are too long, not even going to bother, you know, and, um, you know, many, many cities in Canada, actually have um, uh, massive lineups, two, three, four hours long. Um, and so, you know, people are, are, are not even bothering. And that is actually what people uh, should do is if they are symptomatic, they should actually self-isolate until they can get a test, whether you have um, any uh, what, what, regardless of what symptoms that you have, I, I have a fair bit of experience in COVID over the last year and a half. And I have seen people who have not necessarily the most well-known symptoms of COVID. I had one patient who had severe, uh, menstrual cramps. Um, I suggested she go and get tested. She did. She was positive. Um, you know, I've had uh, other un more unusual symptoms, people just feeling after a run, they felt that their muscles were aching and um, suggested to get positive, uh, to, to get tested, and they came back positive as well. And then oftentimes the biggest thing is people self-diagnose and they're like, you know, I had a runny nose. I figured it was allergies. Have you ever had allergies before? And the answer is no. And um, anyway, they, um, you know, they were self-diagnosing, but later found to be positive for COVID. Okay. Welcome back to the show. Thanks everybody for your texts. If you want to reach out to me, the number to call is 1-877-399-9898. That's 1-877-399-9898. I've got some of my own thoughts on why, um, COVID is spreading as wildly as it is. In addition to the fact that we have Omicron, I am going to review the symptoms of Omicron very shortly, but, um, right now. I just want to read uh, these texts and uh, they make a lot of sense. Problem is, Maureen, 20 or 5,000 can still cause issues. Anyone, vaxxed or not, is spreading and perpetuating the whole thing. Only when we stay home do we stop the pandemic. Sad but true. You make a great point. 
whoever you are, a nameless person out there in radio land. Um, <laughs> you know, but we can't stay home. We have to learn to live with this, I think. I mean, you know, we can stay home. We can be very careful. We can wear masks. We can get vaccinated. That's why we're in this situation. We have not had adequate global uptake of vaccinations. That's one of the problems. It's been so politicized so much. Did you actually know that three times, and I only point to the U.S. because there's so many numbers, you know, so many more people that live there, but three times as many, you're, you're three times as likely to die um, if you're a Republican <laughs> than you are a Democrat in the U.S. I just found that absolutely fascinating um, because this is not about, you know, pol politicians had to deliver this message, but this is not political. This is science. And, um, you know, it's, it is, you know, we're never going to get out of this until we actually provide access to vaccines for people. Um, and, uh, provide access in the rural communities and we provide education. I think it's, we're done with giving the stats. I think we need to give education around hospital resources. For example, I don't think people realize a lot of the issue aside from people don't want to get sick and we have very unhealthy nations with ob obesity and diabetes type two and hypertension. Um, but I think that it's the stress on the healthcare system, which has not gotten enough airtime, if you ask me, because people are like, oh, it's just like a little cold. You're, you know, who dies from the flu? A lot of people do die from the flu, but you know, people are just like, you're not going to get that sick. You know, I'm young, I'm healthy. I do yoga. I'm amazing. Um, anyway, so I, I digress. Um, Jim from Langley says we need to laugh more. Absolutely. Unfortunately, <laughs> and I'm a laugher, <laughs> the more you laugh, the more likely you are to spread. But I get your point. Excellent. Thank you so much. Also, if I have another question from just another nameless person from the 647 area code, if I have two Pfizer shots, can my booster be Moderna? Yes, it can be. The good news is that the WHO um, approved mix and matching of vaccines just about two days ago, I think it was. So Yes, you can. In fact, they're actually saying that you may have a better immune response if that occurs. So I, I know plenty of people who've had um, uh, a mix and match vaccine, people who got AstraZeneca here, then they maybe went to the States and they got Pfizer. Um, you know, in fact, they're also recommending if you've had Johnson & Johnson to actually get a two-dose um, mRNA vaccine as well. So then here's the, I, I should probably, I'm going to wait to, I'm going to read this <laughs> read this one first. Uh, it's about Biden. You know, he is, the second you mention um, a pol politician, it doesn't matter if they've done a great job or a terrible job. I mean, nobody does an amazing job anyway. Nobody's perfect at everything. Um, anyway, and uh, I'm going to, I'll read this. <laughs> Are you kidding me, Maureen? Biden has, has did a lousy job. Okay. Queen's English. Okay. Please um, correct your grammar. If you write to me, um, Biden has did a lousy job with COVID exclamation point, exclamation point. Just look at the amount of illegal immigrants crossing daily and being released all over in the middle of the night that are not vaccinated. Something the mainstream media, including Canada continually ignore again. Thank God Fox News, oh, that's good, shows what's happening daily. What a bloody joke and an embarrassment to all media, including the Biden administration, that continue to ignore and the health and safety of Americans. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, it's not about that. But um, some politician who shall be nameless made it about that. 
You got questions? She's got answers. The nurse is in for Nurse Talk. Welcome to the second hour of the Sunday Night Health Show, where I am live from the Chorus Radio Network across the country. Thank you so much for tuning in this evening. I always appreciate having uh, at least a few listeners out there. You never, ever know. But thanks for all your text messages. I really appreciate those. And feel free to text me anytime or call me. I way prefer to talk to people. The number to call is 1-877-399-9898. That's 1-877-399-9898. Or you can email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com. That is in confidence. I I have a tendency to change, um, you know, some of the particulars there to protect the guilty. Anyway, um, no, I I will try by no means um, will I ever try to. Um, disclose your identity, even if you try to do so, um, because a lot of this is, is quite private and quite personal. Uh, this next hour, we have some interesting conversations. As we say, it's the most wonderful time of the year, but you know, it can be the most stressful time of the year for a lot of people. It can be the saddest time of the year for many people, and it can be the loneliest time of the year. And it makes it worse when you see all these signs of joy and this Yuletide and people shopping and, you know, uh, talking about their holiday. Many people's holiday plans have been dashed uh, this year because of Omicron. Um, and, you know, that can make it hard for people, unvaccinated. You know, there, there can be dissension in, amongst your family and friends in terms of where they stand on um, vaccinations and the pandemic itself. So, you know, it's a, these are hard times. A lot of people have financial problems as well. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's a time that we need to have empathy. I've, um, you know, I, I like the idea of whatever you spend for your family, if you have the means to do so, match that gift to the food bank. You know, there, there are people who need it. They need formula and diapers and, you know, warm food, a a warm meal. Um, they don't know where their rent check is coming from. They don't know where their next meal is coming from. If you have a roof over your head, you're so fortunate if you have a place to live and uh, you're, you are living with people who are loving and kind, I mean, you know, you need to be so grateful. I mean, this pandemic, if it's done nothing for us, it has certainly changed the way um, we can look at uh, the, some of the problems that we may have complained about beforehand. Uh, my next guest has been on the front lines of firefighting for over 20 years, serving as fire chief in both Surrey, British Columbia, and now in Esquimalt, British Columbia. He's also passionate about fighting mental illness and has shared his story with millions around the globe. And most recently in his memoir, The Unbroken, he joins me on the line from Vancouver. Good evening, Steve. Hi, Maureen. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, I know I'm doing really well. And I'm listening to you oh. talk about people struggling. And I, I was thinking about all the first responders out there. You know, mm-hmm. everything that you just uh, said uh, could relate to a first responder. Absolutely. Who have seen tragedy firsthand for the last year and a half, who are exhausted, who, uh, you know, may be suffering from burnout. Let's think about the nurses and working on the front lines in the hospitals, the physicians. Uh, who are working, the pharmacists, who people working around the clock 24-7, you know, on the holidays, who will be working on Christmas Day to save families. It might be your family member 
out there. I mean, it is not easy. And, and also, you know, a particular shout out goes out to nurses and, and mental health counselors who are in psychiatric institutions serving those people. Um, you know, that is not easy work or on the palliative care unit. I mean, we even think of people getting admitted to hospital. We think of the emergency department, but you go inside the depths of a hospital and there is sadness all around and, and tragedy. These, this last year and a half, we've had many people who have died alone uh, from COVID-19. Um, you know, Steve, this is a time of year where people are expected to be happy. People are gathering or, or, or not. Um, many plans have been dashed. Um, but why, why is this, um, why is it so important that we have empathy for people who may be suffering just a little bit more than, than others at this time of year? Well, Maureen, you know, my wife, my wife is a retired nurse and, you know, you talk about this time of the year and, you know, you think about all the nurses out there, like, you know, just the nurses, not the emerge docs, not the doctors, just the nurses. And you think that they're close to these people that pass away at this time of the year. And, you know, you get uh, close to these people and then you go home to your own family and it's you can't just flick that switch. It's hard for people that work in hospitals and it's really tough at this time of the year. I can think of my own career. You know, I got 24 years in the fire service and, you know, Christmas Eve was one of the toughest times I ever worked because you're going to people's homes when they're having their worst day on Christmas Eve and you try and go home on Christmas day. If you're lucky enough as a first responder to be with your family on that day to spend time with them and not think about those calls you went to, but all the doctors and nurses out there that this is a really tough time for them because they're seeing things in the hospital that you've never seen before. And then they got to go home to their families. And, you know, one of the things you said before you brought me on, I was listening, you know, you have a roof over your head, but there are people out there, especially first responders who are just holding it together. You know, some are going through divorce, some are struggling, but yet they come to work and they go home. That's why this is a really tough time. Uh, oh, absolutely. And, you know, there's so many, so many expectations around this time of year. I, I think some of the pressure has been taken off by you don't, by some of the uh, regulations that or the restrictions that have been put into place around COVID. It's like, you don't have to have this massive gathering of all these people. You know, there are some people who could never possibly have a massive gathering, number one, because they couldn't afford it, or they don't have that number of family members in order to do that. So a little bit, it levels the playing field. Then there are going to be people who are disappointed because they can't have uh, this, you know, big bash um, over the holidays, which, you know, often comes with troubles. I mean, we couldn't, list all of the troubles that people can potentially have in life, like alcoholism, depression, financial problems. Um, sexless marriage is a, is a big loneliness issue for a lot of people. People struggle so much. And this time of year, they notice it. Um, you know, people with mental illness, people with uh, cancer who are not able to get surgeries because elective surgeries have been canceled. Oftentimes the cancer uh, surgery is considered an elective surgery. And so that's been put on delay. I mean, the disappointments, the family estrangement, um, you know, I mean, there are just so many issues that people can suffer accidents, um, you know, unexpected death, you know, there's just so many things. And yet we pretend that we live in this perfect world and we have this perfect life. And, and quite frankly, we judge other people. 
Um, why is it so important? And you've made it your mission, Steve, to start talking about mental illness. And it can't have been easy as a first responder, as a person in a leadership position. But why is it so important that, that you and other people speak out about mental illness and the associated stigma? Well, I think because a lot of us have been through it, you know, I, I'm I still married to the same woman that I've been with for 36 years. I'm super fortunate, but I know so many people that didn't survive that. So when you're a first responder and you go through a time in your life when it's not that great, you you don't always come out with what I have. So I'm 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 one of the fortunate people that survived it, and I I stand here in a position of strength, and I can talk to people about. What you said, being empathetic. At this time of the year, there are so many people out there that just, they're struggling. And we are looking at Christmas trees and we're all excited. And, you know, my kids are older now, so it's not like I have little kids opening gifts under the tree. But I do, I'm in Vancouver right now and I was out in the streets today and there's people, you know, that are in a wheelchair and they're homeless and they have to cover themselves in a tarp at night. And I'm very grateful that... I have what I have, but I also feel for those people. And I think that's what Christmas does for a lot of people, especially first responders that do this day in and day out. Like you look at what's happened to policing over the last couple of years. Think about your whole life. You wanted to go into policing. And then the last couple of years, it all of a sudden became a bad thing to be a police officer. And we have some of the best police officers on the planet in Canada. But in Vancouver here, some of the hardest working you know, people that make a difference with those people that got to cover themselves with a tarp at night. And those are police officers, paramedics that do that, and firefighters that take the time to spend 10 minutes with those people on Christmas Eve to make that little bit of a difference. It's, you know, it's, it is a tough time for first responders, I think, when it comes to Christmas. And we really are about relationships and connections. And, you know, um, when a police officer or firefighter can, you know, make that human touch, that human connection, um, you know, it can it can go so far. Now, now you suffered, Steve, with mental health issues. Um, tell me a little bit, just in about 30 seconds or so, <laughs> um, or, or about a minute, you know, just summarize it. What was that like for you? And, and what was that like as a leader in the firefighting field? Well, I work with a doctor uh, a lot called John Ogrodnichuk, and he is a professor of psychiatry at UBC. And, you know, he's created an, uh, a resource called Heads Up Guys. And, and Heads Up Guys is to help men who are fighting depression, but they might not know they're fighting depression. And in my case, Maureen, I struggled with sadness. I'll call it sadness. It was depression, but, you know, men don't like to talk about depression. They'll, they're okay talking about sadness. So I battled sadness, driving home at nights after, you know, working a long shift, having a bunch of calls. I would cry, and I, I didn't know why I did that. So for people that are emotional and, and you, you come home, you think there's something wrong with them. My wife's a nurse, super cool gal. I could sit down with her and tell her I was feeling, but I wouldn't do that. So for me, um, I really got stuck in my own uh, my own persona of this this bravado kind of culture I was in, and it it went on and on and on until I crashed, and it all came crashing down over a couple of weeks. And I was really fortunate that I had people in my life who wanted to help me 
get out of that. And it, it took me a year of clinical counseling to figure out what was wrong and why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And, and so now I go out and talk to people. I'm in New York in a couple of weeks here talking to some folks from Homeland Security. And I, I tell them the story. I say, it's okay. I don't ever say it's going to be okay. If somebody phones me or emails me, I don't say it's going to be okay because you have to do all the work when you're struggling. You've got to figure out what your factory settings are and you've got to understand. And in a lot of cases, for me, I'll talk about myself personally, you've got to own some things. And I had to own a lot of my past to, to start to work on myself and get out of that. And I think that's hard for a lot of people. It was for me, for sure. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath here. Steve Serbik is my guest. He is a firefighter who has served 24 years, uh, most recently as the fire chief in Surrey, British Columbia and Esquimalt. Thanks so much for staying on the line, Steve. Um, we do have a caller on the line. Do we, Leo? <laughs> Hello? Hi. Hi there. Oh, yes, you do have a caller on the line. So I, uh, I want to chip in on the conversation about uh, depression here uh, because the, the thing that really changed my depression was um, getting to love myself and being okay with myself. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually just wanted to read, if I could, a, a part of something that I had written quite a long time ago. And it'll give you just an idea of uh, how depressed I was. All right. Uh, So I don't feel good about myself. I don't like myself, and I don't consider loving myself. I don't just dislike myself. I hate myself. I don't like the way I look. I can't stand the sight of my own body. I think I'm stupid, incompetent, untalented, and unlovable. Not only do I think my thoughts are wrong and inappropriate, I think my feelings are also wrong and inappropriate. I think I'm not important. And even if my feelings aren't wrong, I think they don't matter. I'm concerned that my needs are unimportant. Uh, I think I'm inferior to and different from the rest of the world. Not that I'm unique, but I'm oddly and inappropriately different. Wow. That is a lot to overcome. Um, we don't have a lot of time, Derek, but how did you, what helped you? Uh, the biggest thing was my support network and uh, just establishing those people who were going to lift me up rather than bring me down. Mm-hmm. But, but was a lot of it on you to lift yourself up? Oh, very much so. Um, I mean, again, I mean, my support network is just that. It's it's my support network. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they're not going to do all the work for me. I have to do that myself. Right. right. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Steve, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? And, and what are your thoughts? We touched a little bit upon taking responsibility um, for one's own mental health. Yeah, listening to Derek's, uh, that was almost poetic almost. It's, uh, it mm-hmm. was super powerful, and I think you could add something in there. The way Derek talked about that period in his life, you can add something else in there, and it's especially true with guys, is shame. You feel shameful when you feel like Derek talked there, whether you're, you put on a uniform, whether you work in construction, 
you feel like you let people down. And then when you get to that point, you, you withdraw from your friends. Like Derek talked about having a support network. That's mm-hmm. important. And that's how you recognize where you are. This is bad. I'm in a bad way. I, uh, you know, you you get in such a bad way and your friend becomes yourself and you're not talking to anybody. So you really struggle getting out of that. So for me, Absolutely. Um, we're, we're up against gonna, the clock, Steve. I'm sorry. We're going to have to get you back. Pick no up a pick up no the worry. book, The Unbroken. Steve leaves it around park benches for other people to pick up and read, changing people's lives one book at a time. Thanks so so much, Steve. Happy Christmas to you and your family. It's time for the Bedroom Bulletin. It's not exactly the bedroom spot, but, you know, it could be uh, related. <laughs> Chiropractic care is complementary medical practice that treats problems with the musculoskeletal system, and the main focus is spine care. Traditionally, chiropractic care was based on the belief that problems with the musculoskeletal system cause disease through the central nervous system. This belief is no longer officially, air quotes, part of the practice. More than 60 Canadian neurologists have issued a statement warning that chiropractic neck manipulation can cause stroke and or death. The neurologists and the Canadian Stroke Consortium caution that chiropractic manipulation involving the neck can cause arterial dissection. I wanted to raise awareness about the risks of neck manipulation in chiropractic care for starters, and who better to do that than a lawyer? John M. Green, lawyer in North Vancouver, British Columbia, joins me on the line. Good evening, John. Hi, Maureen. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? Thanks for joining me tonight. I'm up past my bedtime here, so. <laughs> you know, I almost I got an changed eight-year-old. your time. <laughs> I almost, it's past my bedtime. <laughs> um, <laughs> I almost changed your time, but because of the back and forth and the changing, I'm like, no, I can't do, I can't do that to this guy. <laughs> no, I'm happy, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> it, it's, a, anyway. it's, a, it's a good subject, an interesting one for sure. It certainly is. And thank you so much. And I myself have had chiropractic care, but I have always said, no, do not touch my neck. <laughs> and even recently, I might go once a year, once every other year, if, if I pull my back out doing something um, and one pop and boom, it does seem to help me. But um, even my chiropractor said recently, um, no neck manipulation for you, right? I'm like, absolutely. We'll never, ever take the chance. But, but you have uh, some experience with, with this and why it is so dangerous. Um, can you talk to the listeners about that? Yeah, well, I mean, chiropractors. I the majority of my cases are are bad car crashes. So uh, you get clients that have have had severe spinal injuries and uh, lots of neurological damage. So basically, neurological damage is they stop having feeling in their hands, or they start having weird feelings in their hands or in their feet, and shooting pains and those kind of things. And uh, I, I started to notice it more kind of a decade ago, and. My clients would would go off and see uh, neurologists. In these cases, they'd always go off and see neurologists. And uh, we get reports back, and, and the neurologists were saying, like, look, they're seeing chiropractors. They should they shouldn't be doing that uh, when they've got neurological mm-hmm. injuries that are haven't been diagnosed, or they uh, it's not clear what's causing them. And and just kind of over time, it's it's been something that I've noticed. Uh, certainly, the courts are more skeptical of chiropractic care being. Um, 
provided at the end of a case when, when they're, you know, you come and ask for it and, and the person says, look, I've been seeing a chiropractor and I think it's been helping me. The, they get, there's a lot of pushback now from the court uh, when you have somebody that's gone to a chiropractor 2,000 times and, um, it, you know, they're still saying that, look, I've got a terrible back injury. It doesn't look like much is being done to help them. So that's, that's uh-huh. where we get started from. And then uh, more recently, there's uh, an interesting case came out of uh, New Brunswick there uh, a couple months ago. And, uh, and, and it's, it plays on this, this theme that the neurologists have brought up and the neurosurgeons. And that's basically that you've got these people that are going in for neck cracking. And, and in mm-hmm. this case, the gentleman went in, got his neck cracked, uh, immediately noticed a, a terrible headache, uh, when he left and that headache persisted for, for a couple of weeks. And then while he was doing a little bit of more lifting, uh, he had a full-on stroke. And so the stroke was a very serious one. It happened to, uh, it, I, I, there was a dissection of the artery in his neck, one of the four arteries in his neck. And um, when that happens uh, with him, basically what it's done is it's just completely uh, affected his brain function so that just stuff like time and, and remembering time is, is difficult for him. So that's what happened in that case. And, and it ended up going before a judge and, and there was a the battle between the chiropractic protective association and the plaintiff and the experts that the plaintiff put up to say that, look, this first thing, this treatment that they're giving the neck cracking is, is not something that's the research supports uh, being effective. So it shouldn't be offered uh, in the first place. And then second of all, if you're going to offer this treatment, you have to properly describe the risk to the person. And uh, there was a lot of discussion and decision about the way that risks were described by the Chiropractic Protective Association through their waiver. And the judge said, look, you know, the, the waiver is deceptive. Uh, it makes it sound like this risk is, is non-existent when it, when it certainly looks like it, it exists. And, and, and if it does happen, it's very serious. In this case, the gentleman could have died, right? So that's what the neurologists are getting right. at. That's their concern. Uh, I can I can totally understand. Um, and you know, there's a, a, a journal article: the potential dangers of neck manipulation and risk for dissection and devastating stroke. An illustrative case and review of the literature, and it says um, that this is this this chiropractic cervical manipulation, or you know, kind of a, a neck manipulation, is a common practice that is utilized around the world. And, you know, most patients are never cleared medically for manipulation. And, and, and as you mentioned in that particular case, it can be devastating uh, for those few who are at increased risk for dissections. And, you know, again, it's a bit of Russian roulette. You don't know who it's going to be, but it involves a high velocity thrust in that neck manipulation. And that puts significant strain on the carotid and vertebral vessels uh, in that area. Now, may I ask approximately the age of this gentleman that you uh, referred to? Well, they described him as a young patient. I think he was actually in his 40s, but uh, I guess for the medical literature, that's still considered young because I think it's the yeah. risk of strokes pretty young in a person under 50. Oh, absolutely. And um, what was this, uh, did he have sequelae? You mentioned that he uh, had memory issues, but were there other physical uh, sequela or any other yeah, issues? He, yeah, yeah, he had the the problems down the side of his body from the sounds of it afterwards. Uh, more severe immediately after it happened, like it usually is, and then it tapered off. But he still had uh, some more kind of uh, severe effects that appear to be permanent right. uh, damage. Now, I mean, interestingly, in that case, it's actually a Vancouver uh, neurologist that that I use in a lot of cases. Uh, Dr. Don Cameron was 
the plaintiff's oh, yeah. neurologist expert out there in New Brunswick. And um, uh, and the the Chiropractic Protective Association on their side, they used a, a so it sounds like an orthopedic surgeon that is also affiliated with uh, the college out east that teaches all of these chiropractors. And what was really interesting was it, it sounds like the the protective associations kind of set it up like the the, the smoking uh, alliance. They have their own research uh, arm, right? And so this doctor came into court and and was citing his own research that was funded by the Chiropractic Protective Association. You can tell by this from the judge's decision that she wasn't particularly impressed by uh, by that fact. Um, I mean, it, it just raises terrible bias issues when you have that kind of research being brought into the court. So. That uh, oh, it didn't absolutely. help them. I think it actually probably hurt them a lot. I, I am sure it did. And and you know you mentioned um, a, a young man in his forties who's had a stroke. Very unusual for a man in his forties to have a stroke. Um, but you know it takes eighteen months for somebody to recover, and they're they're going to be as good as they're going to be after about eighteen months, typically in in a neurological insult uh, like that. And then their lives are changed forever. I, I often say to people, if they are going to go to a chiropractor, I will say, do not let them manipulate your neck. But how do we get that uh, information out there? I mean, thank well, you so much for coming on the show for the four people yeah. listening. No. <laughs> no, when I mentioned you were coming on, the entire country lit up. Uh, yeah, I bet it. <laughs> um, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, oh, uh, the guy with the eight-year-old who's past his bedtime? Yes. Um, well, what's interesting. We're tune in. Uh, out here in BC, like what, what's really, I think, put the, the or, or may put the issue on the radar is uh, the vaccine problems that the chiropractors have had out here the last uh, couple of weeks where mm-hmm. you have this large uh, percentage of, uh, well, I mean, it was a, a majority at the last meeting of the chiropractics uh, college uh, in terms of they were trying to uh, bring in some laws to basically say that these chiropractors should be having their vaccines if they're going to treat people. And the majority that showed up basically voted that down. So you've got uh, Adrian Dix, I guess uh, the CBC reported uh, a couple of days later, was asking the question, like, how how do we deal with a chiropractor college or a health college that seems to be kind of off in left field on an, a serious health issue? And so um, I, I think the NDP, I mean, I, my profession has been totally upended in terms of uh, how it's uh, with, with cars and no fault being brought in. I mean, I don't think the NDP is mm-hmm. uh, shy from taking a look at, at what I think probably government should have done a long ago, long time ago. And that's look and ask the question, like, what does chiropractic actually uh, do for people? Um, and, and I think mm-hmm. more than even just the, uh, the, the risk, uh, the safety risk is posed by some of these treatments that they're offering. Like, I think it's, do they actually do anything and are the billions of dollars that British Columbians are spending on chiropractic justified? And I, and I, I don't see much research to support that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of two minds. I'm extremely careful. I mean, I've had the benefit of, um, one, you know, let's call it a crack manipulation. Um, if I've had a back issue if I pulled my back out. I mean, there's only two that I've ever been to. One is a medical doctor slash chiropractor and, um, and the other is a a chiropractor, but, um, you know, I have my, my own limitations, but, you know, I, I honestly, you know, I mean, I, I really don't know. Um, you know, but I, I've certainly heard some, you know, some, some things that makes me very skeptical about the chiropractic um, 
Association um, at large and some of their beliefs, especially some of their beliefs around vaccines. I mean, to be in a in an alleged healthcare profession and yet um, to vote against vaccines is just, you know, uh, and, I, and I know a couple of um, chiropractors that I would never go to <laughs> that are um, not vaccinated. Yeah. And, and when you look at, uh, I, I, you know, like the vaccine thing, I think is an interesting one because there's, there's, it, you could see it was on the horizon for, uh, for chiropractors for quite a while. There was uh, in terms of the, the, their belief system and, and some of the claims they were being made by chiropractors. And, and I looked at the, there was a letter that was released uh, like the, it was like a, you know, like a pseudo legal threat letter that was released and sent to the chiropractic college uh, that had a whole bunch of names signed onto it. And and I'd looked up some of those names, and some of those people are are some of the same people that um, before were being um, basically being brought up as the ones that we're talking about. You know, like chiropractic can help cure, you know, children that have uh, uh, you know neurological disorders, uh, mm-hmm. ADHD, those kind of things. And 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 right. that situation got so bad that the chiropractic college came under pressure. They finally had to release a formal statement saying, "Look, you can't say." chiropractic cure these things. And I think the real problem is you have a group of people at the, that are, that claim to be doctors. And, and I do think fool people uh, into believing that they have this skill level that uh, would allow them to read research and um, critique research. And, and then what ends up, ends up happening is people follow these people. And a lot of them are following them, I think, down the rabbit hole that we see that uh, a lot of the vaccine skepticism uh, has gone lately, and I think that's dangerous, and, it, and it's something the government has to really get on top of. Um, and I think they they took too long to do it here. Oh, absolutely! I think the government definitely has to address this. And I, I just had a text from somebody twelve years ago. I attended a chiropractor, and without warning, he twisted my neck, and the next day I suffered a small bleed at the base of my brainstem, a stroke! Exclamation point. That's from Steve. Thanks, Steve, uh, for sharing that. I think we probably have a lot more. Um, people in exactly Steve's uh, position, unwittingly, they, you know, may, maybe sign this informed consent, they may not even read it, they may not understand it, it may not be explained to them, they may not be given, um, you know, answers to their questions, if they have any, they may not even know that, you know, that is informed consent. Um, and and also the the potential risks of, of neck manipulation. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm glad you're doing work in this area and, and helping to raise awareness about this, John, it's fantastic. Yeah. 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 Thank you. No, I think it's, it's, it's one of those areas I think that needs to some, just more attention being paid to it. And, um, the right of class action years ago uh, involving children's cough medicine. And, and like we started, people started to ask the question, I think, and probably too late because the thousands died uh, from taking children's cough medicine. And, um, but like the question was asked, okay, well, you know, why are we giving kids this stuff and um, what's the research to support it? And as it turned out, there wasn't really much research. We just always did it that way. And um, finally, the, it took, you know, uh, the Baltimore's health department was the one that spearheaded in the United States, but finally got picked up in Canada too. And uh, it's, I think there's a lot of areas uh, in science and in medicine that are ripe for that kind of approach. And I think chiropractic, uh, I think their day is coming if uh, Adrian Dix's statements uh, uh, are any indication. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people feel like, you know, uh, 
no medications, no prescriptions, no vaccines, no, you know, and, and they're falsely led to believe that, uh, chiropractic care, which, which is basically manipulation, (laughs) um, (laughs) uh, can cure, you know, many diseases. It just makes absolutely no sense, you know? Um, but thank you so much, John Green. How can people get in touch with you? Should they have experienced something like this and, and maybe want some guidance or some help? I think I'm relatively prolific there on the internet. If you just search John Green Lawyer, they'll, uh, you know, you'll get me or you'll get the author and uh, I'm not him. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll get me there. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining me on the program tonight. I really appreciate it. You bet. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Night Health Show podcast. You can subscribe, rate, or review on your favorite podcast app. And if you've got a question about your health, the nurse is always in. So email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com, and I just might answer your question anonymously, of course, on next week's show. For now, have a happy and healthy week.